Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to City Church. We're so excited that you, you joined us today on our online service. And uh, today we're actually going to be talking about one of my least favorite passages in the Bible. This is a passage that I've struggled with uh, all of my life. And it's just really kind of hard to read and kind of hard to, to hear. Uh, I heard a joke one time that says, I believe in 12.5% of the Bible, so I guess that makes me an atheist. <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? But I think we all have these passages in the Bible that we don't really like, we struggle with, um, we don't really implement because we don't truly believe in them, we don't really have faith that it's going to work out the way that that the Bible says it's going to work out. There's so many rock-solid scriptures of the Bible that, that talk about if you trust God, if you trust in His way, then, then this will happen. And, and a lot of times it's really hard to take that first step of trusting Him, isn't it? Well, today's verse, I don't understand. And I just want you to know, um, I have a hard time agreeing with it. I have a uh, a real struggle with implementing it in my life, even though I've had so many, and I mean so many, opportunities to live this verse out. But it's so tough. It's a verse that applies to all seasons of life. No matter what age you're in, you can use this verse. And um, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, you can totally use this verse. It's a it's a verse that's so contradicting, it'll drive you nuts. It's uh, so countercultural that um, when you say it, it even comes across with a, uh, a feeling of, like, that's got to be wrong. You know, it's, have you ever been in that, you're reading the Bible, it's like, I don't understand this, God, it's got to be wrong. Like, God, did you miss something? Did you, did you not complete the sentence? It's, it, did, was the person that wrote it, the Luke who wrote this verse, like, was he, was he thinking about something else? God, are you sure this one's inspired? Because it says that the Bible is an inspired word of God, and so that it's infallible, it's, it's powerful, and it's real, and it's trustworthy, and it's the truth of God. It's his words. And so when you come across a verse like this one, it's really hard to say, okay, it, that's, that's right. Well, do you know what the verse is? Do you, do you know what this verse is? Do you, do you have a verse in mind right now? Is, are you thinking about something? I bet it's wives. No, it's not. <laughs> Luke 6, 27 through 28. But to those who are listening, I say, so listen up. Okay, to those who are listening, I say, love your enemies. And do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. That verse. That's so hard to live out. It's so hard to hear that. It feels incomplete. What is he talking about? Bless those who curse you. Wow. How, how do I do that and why? Why would I ever want to do that? Well, the word cursedness actually means to, to actually get people to side up with them to dislike you. This isn't a curse that you will live under a curse, like live under a rock, a curse over your life. 
uh, because God is the one that gives us blessing. And so curse in this is not you're going to live under a curse, but curse is actually somebody that's discrediting you, that's, that's actually attacking your character. To, to get others to come alongside them in this journey of, we dislike this person. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, bless those who curse you. And the word bless means to, to pray. It means to take it to the Lord, to bless them. To actually speak blessings over their life. Those who are trying to get people to side with them against who you are, your identity, your character. They want others to dislike you. Your job is to actually bless them. Do you see the struggle here? Do you see this contradiction? Because I do. It's rough. It's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to trust God with verses like this. You know, it's insanely hard to trust the Lord and, and that he's going to work all things out for good. So I'm supposed to bless people that curse me. What we're discovering the word today is Elhana Iman. And what this word actually means is it's a name of God. It's who God is. He is Elhana Iman. Elhana Iman. This means that God is the faithful God. So when you read a passage like this, it says, bless those who curse you, you can actually go, he's Elhana Iman, and he's faithful to what he wrote. He's faithful to live out what he said over our life. The, the implications and the application of what the word of God actually speaks into our life, he's faithful to see that through. He is Elhana Iman. He's faithful to live out and bless those who curse you. He's faithful to, to actually work those things out for your good. David came into this same exact experience. Before this verse was even written, David lived it out. Because the Bible says that David was the Lord's anointed means that David had the Lord in his heart, that God had anointed him. The Lord was with David. And so we're going to read how David lives out this verse, but I want to kind of recap where we're at. So David was actually anointed to be king of Israel by Samuel. And then after he's anointed to be the next king of Israel, there's already a king who's Saul. But when David's anointed to be king, he takes some grain to his brother's, he sees a 10-foot-tall giant that was part of the Philistine army. And his brothers were there to fight the Philistines, but nobody wanted to go fight the 10-foot-tall giant. So David saw this 10-foot-tall giant and said, you know what, this guy, I've actually fought bears and i fought lions. I can totally take care of this giant. And so he was blessed by the king to go out and fight the giant. And he wins the battle. He actually defeats Goliath. David versus Goliath. David wins. And he used the name and the power and the strength of the Lord is what David relied on in that fight. So after he fought the 10-foot tall giant, everybody loved David. His popularity was huge. 
his poll rating was over the top, 99.9% approval rating for David. He was amazing. Everybody loved him. They started writing new songs about him. And so after he fought the giant, everybody loved him. And then he went to serve the, uh, the king, the current king, which was Saul. And he served Saul by playing a, a harp for him when he would have times um, in his, when uh, Saul was going through a lot at that time and he would be tormented. And so David would come in, hey, we need David to come in and play some light music for Saul. And as David would play music, Saul would all of a sudden start changing his heart and, and uh, the music would comfort him. Well, one time while he was playing music for Saul, Saul was walking around with a spear in his hand, and he decided to take the spear and throw it at David while he was playing music. And so the Bible says that Saul did this, and David dodged the spear. And then it says that David dodged the spear again. So twice. But after the second time of dodging a spear, David said, this guy is trying to kill me. And so that's where we're actually picking it up is, is Saul's heart is just so jealous of David that he's just coming after him with everything he's got. He's coming after him with his armies. He's coming after him with, with his power. He's coming after him with his character. He's coming after him with everything he's got. It's a complete, full attack against David. And we're going to pick it up at 1 Samuel 24, 1. Would you guys just pray with me as we open up the Word of God? God, we thank you that your Word is alive and true, that we can trust you with, with everything that, um, that your Word says. And so I just pray for clarity for each one of us today, that as we're listening to this, it would just be so clear. This is the area that I'm I'm bringing you in on. I'm, I'm inviting you to trust me in this area. Trust me in this relationship. Trust me with this job. Trust me with this coworker. Trust me with this family member. Lord, whatever you want to do in us, uh, we just open up that door and just say, God, would you do it in us? And Lord, I also just pray that over this message that um, your words would just be really clear. They would just come through loud and clear. And I just choose to just, um, uh, would you just speak through me? Would you do all the studying? Um, would you work with all the studying I've done this week over these passages just to try to learn more and understand more? And would it just be really clear? Would you just present to us, to each one of us, including myself, the clear path of what these verses mean? In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so we got 1 Samuel 24.1. After Saul had returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 3, able young men from Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. The crags of the wild goats. I just, I just want to throw out here, this is just a little side note. If you're thinking of like a great like rock band or metal band, it's just an idea. Crags of the wild goats. Perfect. Right there. There you have it. So David is being chased by Saul. And it says that David is in the desert, and Saul's coming after him with 3,000 people. But at this time, David is not alone. He has an army of his own right now. 
Because during the season of Saul's rage, he was going from town to town searching out David and anybody that he harmed or offended actually went to find David and joined his army against Saul. So David's on the run from Saul. And it says that he's on the run for about a year. And the more I studied this, it looks like he was on the run for about a year. So he runs from Bettendorf to Rock Island. And he hears Saul's coming to Rock Island. So he goes up to Dubuque. And then he heads down to Des Moines. And then he goes to St. Louis. And then he goes to Chicago. So he can't really stay anywhere for a long period of time because Saul would hear that David is in this town. And so he'd go from town to town to town. But when people would, would come across Saul, Saul was so frustrated and so jealous of David that if anybody helped David, they would pay the penalty. And so anyone that actually was offended or hurt from Saul hurting their family, hurting their livestock, whatever it may be, taking what he wanted from their town, they would actually go and side up with David. So David's kind of creating his own army, not on purpose, but it's just happening because David's a leader and people start siding up with him. Yeah, we don't like Saul either. We don't understand what he's doing. Why is he chasing you? Verse 3 says, he came to the sheep's pen along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. And David and his men are far back in the cave. So there's the, the, the passage that shows us that these people have started gathering with David, and he's got a group of men. And they're in the back of the cave, and Saul goes in the cave to relieve himself. And the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke about when he said, I will give your army, your enemies into your hands and you will deal with, for you to deal with them as you wish. I'm going to go ahead and read that again. I will give your enemies into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Man, what an opportunity. Saul's in the cave. You have a group of men. Here's your enemy. This is time for me to attack. How much of that advice and encouragement from David's men was coming from their own hurts? Ever thought about that? They're all continuing to speak hurt into David. Man, this is, this is it. This is a guy that's been attacking you. Here's your opportunity, David. You get to attack him back. Get him. Look at what he's done to us. I mean you. Look at what he's done to you. Look at what he's done. It's hard to find good counsel, isn't it? These people have all sided up with David. This is your opportunity. So David creeps up and cuts off a corner of his robe. Just because you have a sword doesn't mean you need to use it. See, the sword, one thing that's so cool about this passage is the sword that's being used here is the sword of the Philistine Goliath who David took out. And so David has this sword that represents Saul's failures. And he could have totally used it 
Like, this is the same God that protected me from that Philistine. It's definitely the same God that's going to protect me from Saul. Wait, this sword represents Saul wasn't able to go out and fight his own fight. Saul is full of fear. I have the sword that represents it. I am not. I am the Lord's anointed. I took out the Philistine. David had that sword. I've seen Saul in his worst state. I've seen him tormented and hateful and hurtful. See, David had, David had a slew of, of um, weapons he could use against Saul. But just because you have a sword doesn't mean you need to use it. Just because you have an arsenal of criteria that completely negates anything that anybody else said that's very hurtful and attacking someone else's character, attacking them. You see how David didn't use the sword that represented Saul's failures. He actually used the sword to cut off just a little piece of his garment. Because that's how much respect he had for Saul. Look at, look at how David's heart was so... Um, respectful and and full of honor for Saul, even though Saul had completely turned on David. Afterwards, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Why did you guys talk me into this? What, why would you do that? Why would you encourage me to do that? You could see David turning to his men. I can't believe you guys were encouraged me to take out Saul. I cut off a little corner of his robe, and it's killed my conscience because he's the Lord's anointed. So, like, I need you to encourage me to actually protect the Lord's anointed, not attack the Lord's anointed. So he turns to his men and says this. And with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. David has this opportunity. Everybody's encouraging him. Now's the time. Tell everybody the dirt that you have on Saul. Get out there and like actually just take him out. He's attacking you. He's attacking you. So it's time for you to attack him, isn't it? What did Jesus say in Luke 6? Bless those who curse you. But he's attacking me. What do you mean, Jesus? Bless those who curse you, who are enemies against you. Pray for them. These men were encouraging David not to live out the anointing that David had on him. They were encouraging him to take matters into his own hands. David's view of Saul was still, he is the Lord's anointed. Many times, if you read 1 Samuel, you will see that the Bible actually says, it simply points out, and Saul was not with the Lord. The Lord had departed from Saul. The Lord has departed from Saul. When David was playing the heart for Saul, the, the Lord had departed from Saul. This is over a year ago. 
that David has played a heart for him. The Lord had departed from Saul. His heart changed. <clears throat> but it takes somebody that's anointed and filled with the Spirit of God to actually point out the good in somebody else, doesn't it? And so David didn't see Saul as the Lord had departed from him anymore. He actually sees him as somebody who still has the Lord's anointing on him. He still sees the good in Saul. Man, he may not be living up to what I know he could be living up to. He may not be living, his words may not be full of edification and, and encouragement. In fact, they're so demeaning and demoralizing right now. But you know what I see in Saul? He is the Lord's anointed. The way David was able to do that is because God was with David. David didn't give up on Saul. That's so hard, isn't it? Completely attacked, chased from city to city to city. A God, David does not give up on Saul. Verse 8 says, Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king, Bless those who curse you. Would you say that with me? My Lord, the King, bless those who curse you. David comes out of the cave, and what does he say? Hey, Saul, why are you coming at me? Bring it. Here I am. <laughs> no, my Lord, the King, my Lord, the King. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down, prostrated himself, with his face to the ground, and he said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? <laughs> there must be a misunderstanding. There's got to be a misunderstanding here, because I don't understand this, Saul. Like, why are you so, why are you spending so much time chasing me? Why are you listening to people that would say that David's here to harm you? You know me. I'm, that's not me. There must be a misunderstanding. I want to add up what did David do to deserve this from Saul because it's pretty evident. It's so evident. It's, it's right in the Bible. What did David do? Well, he, he defeated Goliath for Saul. You know? He took care of a, a battle that was way too big for Saul to handle, and David did it and freed all of Israel from being slaves to the Philistines. Okay, what else did David do to deserve all of this? Oh, he served Saul. He served him with all of his heart, you know, took something that God had actually given him a gift of, of playing a harp and, and bringing comfort to people. And he serves Saul with, with all of his heart and, and actually leaves his home to go live at Saul's house so he could continue to serve him. He leaves his livelihood of being a shepherd to go live with Saul. Oh, well, let's look at what else. You know, he, he married Saul's daughter. What is he thinking? <laughs> what, what did David do to deserve this? Well, it's really, really evident. He was great friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. They had a vibrant friendship. They were like brothers. They loved each other, the Bible says, that they were so close and tight. So he, he, 
adopts Saul's family as his own. He actually marries into Saul's family. He serves Saul diligently and with all of his heart, and he defeats giants for Saul. So what did David do to deserve Saul chasing him down? What did he do? He did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. You can't understand it. It's not a misunderstanding. Because you can't understand why Saul is trying to attack David. Saul is jealous of David. And so he goes on the attack. And so many times we get stuck in trying to figure this out. What did I do? What did I do? I've done nothing but love this person and they're cursing me. What did I do? And we spend so much time trying to figure out where we're wrong in this. And sometimes I just got truth for you right now. Truth is, is you're not going to understand why. So stop trying. You, you got to just stop trying to understand what did I do. David did nothing to Saul. He loved him and he served him. And here he is coming out of a cave, sparing his life and going on the ground and kissing the ground and saying, you are my king. You are my Lord. I surrender my life to you. What have I done? Is there some misunderstanding We spend so much time trying to understand why is there an attack? Why is there an attack? Why is there an attack? What did I do? And it's just a lot of times it's a waste of time. You're not going to always understand. Jealousy, envy, those, those things have a weird way of twisting stuff and you're not going to comprehend it. You're not going to understand it. This day you have seen me with your own eyes how the Lord has delivered you into my hands in the cave. And some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay a hand on my Lord because he's the Lord's anointed. Still pointing out, Saul, I still see this in you. You may be not living up to it at all, but man, you are the Lord's anointed and I'm coming underneath your leadership, underneath your authority, even though you are chasing me down, even though God delivered you into my hands. Just as God delivered Goliath into David's hands, he put Saul in David's hands. You choose, David. You want to take him out now? Here's an opportunity. David decided to put away the sword. He decided to put away the sword. That's hard. That's a tough situation to be in. Here's, here's an opportunity. You could totally go on the attack. You could be on the offensive now. But David says, no, he is the Lord's anointed. He may be attacking me, but I'm actually going to bless him and say he's the Lord's anointed. Who am I to attack the Lord's anointed Let's go back to Luke 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, then turn to him another. And if someone takes your coat, then do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have done, want them to have done to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is it for you? Even sinners 
love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it for you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who expect a repayment, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. These are the words that are written in black and white, and, and, and in fact, in the Bible, they are written in red because they are the words of Jesus Christ. This countercultural way of living and, and thinking, blessing those who curse us and, and not going to get repayment for that. And I love how it says, you know, like, what well, you could bless somebody who blesses you, like even sinners do that, meaning you don't need Jesus to do that. You naturally, in your own abilities, could totally do this. You can lend to someone, and then they're going to repay you. I promise I'll, I'll pay you back. And, and, you know, even sinners, like people that don't know Jesus, have never surrendered their life over to Jesus Christ, don't live as a kingdom citizen of Christ. They could totally do that, and people do it all the time. But you're going to need Jesus to bless those who curse you. You're going to need Jesus to love your enemies. You're going to need Jesus to not retaliate when someone slaps you. You're going to need Jesus. And so Jesus is pointing out that you're going to need him in the middle of this. If you want to live out these verses, if you want to see how he's faithful and you're not going on the attack, when you start to get attacked, you're going to need his power and his strength to do it. You're going to need Jesus. You can't do this on your own. The Bible says David was anointed. It means God was with him. I want to end with a couple of practical tools with, with this passage and some insight that I've received as I've digested it more and I've lived it out. <laughs> I started off with this is, this is a verse that I, I really struggle with it. I really do. But blessing those who curse you means to put your sword away against a person attacking you. Just as David did, he spared the sword from Saul. He cut off a little garment, a little portion of his robe, and felt completely convicted for even doing that. But blessing those who curse you means to put your sword away. All the dirt you got, all the things wrong with their character, all the things they've done. Blessing those who curse you means to put your sword away and actually take, take it to the Lord in prayer and actually speak blessing over their life. Speak blessing over them. God, whatever they're chasing me down for, I don't understand it. I'm surrendering it over to you. And Lord, 
would you just bless her heart and and change their heart from the inside out and change change this mindset that they have that they got to go on attack to get attention or whatever it may be that they got to discredit everyone around them so that they look better change that god but just bless your work in their life i bless what you're doing there anything the enemy wants to do i just rebuke it and i bless what god is doing right now blessing those who curse you this is the first thing that you could do is take the fight to the lord and here's the second thing and this is something that i've learned and this has been my biggest struggle the second thing is this, is you're going to need to speak truth. You're going to need to speak truth. When somebody comes at you and is just like Saul is attacking David, he's attacking his character, he's attacking his motives, he's just jealous of him, he's envious of like the blessing that David is walking in. And so when somebody does that, when, 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 when they're doing that, and all you've done is just love them, and you can't figure it out, you're going to need to speak truth about the situation. You, you'll need to speak truth to the person, and you need to speak truth to the others around you. And here's what I mean by that is, David, when he was being chased by Saul, I said that he was going from town to town to town to town. Here's the thing. If you read 1 Samuel, I invite you to do that. As he's going from town to town, he doesn't tell the people why he was there. He doesn't say, Saul is chasing me. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I did to him, but he's after me right now. And so could you guys protect me? He doesn't give people an opportunity to even know the inside of like what is going on so they could be in prayer for him or they could protect him. They could protect his heart. He doesn't tell him. You know what, in fact, he does? He says, hey, I'm on a secret mission for Saul, and so that's why I've arrived at your temple here and hung out with some priests, and, and the priests are like, so why are you here without a sword or anything? Oh, you know, I left in such a hurry for this secret mission that um, I'm actually, you know, I just left all my gear at home, and so, I, yeah, if you guys got a sword laying around like I could use, and they end up giving him Goliath's sword, which was at the temple. Goliath's sword was sitting there to remind David, like, the Lord is with you. And so they give him Goliath's sword. But here's what happened. And so he goes to the next city, and he acts like a madman. It's like, isn't that David, like David that defeated Goliath? Like, he's very well known in the cities. He's very well known in each town that he goes to. But he acts like a madman, a guy that, you know, like, is mentally unstable right now. And so... Um, people are like trying to figure out what's going on with David. But here's the truth is, is every single person that David lied to ended up getting hurt. <laughs> they all got hurt. Like their entire city got rampaged. And there was so much injustice done by Saul because the people didn't even know why David was there, but they were supporting him and helping him. So, this is the other side of bless those who curse you, is you, if you are being cursed, you have to speak truth of what's going on. You have to be able to share truth of it. 
And the only way to do that is to actually take it to the Lord, let him work on your heart, and then whatever comes out of your mouth, trust that it's God. You know, don't, don't take anger and frustration and start speaking that. But if you take it to the Lord first, blessing those, you'll actually be able to say, hey, look, they're just kind of on a rampage right now and they're attacking me. Because what happens if you don't do this, here's, and here's why I've struggled with that verse for so long, is so many people get hurt. So many people get hurt when somebody attacks your character or is coming against something that you're really passionate about, that they were really passionate about, and then they leave, and then they're frustrated about it, and then they grab and side up, get a bunch of people to side up with them. If you don't speak truth early, other people will expect the worst. And so blessing those who curse you means taking it to the Lord, but then when it comes time, you need to speak truth to protect the other people. Yeah, they're just kind of out doing their own thing right now, and there's a lot going on that I'm not going to really go into, but I do want you to know they're kind of on a rampage. And so if you've heard anything, if you've heard anything against so-and-so's character or anything like that, just judge a tree by its fruit. You know, look at the fruit of the tree. That it, I'll put that in your, in your uh, God's ability over your life that you could see somebody's fruit from their tree. You will need to speak truth. And this is the part that I struggled with so long because I always read it as bless those who curse you and then turn the other cheek. Man, you're getting beat up out there. <laughs> you're just getting destroyed and, and people are just like smashing everything and, and I know you could totally trust the Lord that he's going to work it out for good that's really true but there's a great point in speaking truth to protect others around you to protect others around you that are also in this journey that were maybe on both sides of the fence you got to speak truth sometimes because people walk away from God for, for a lot less so bless those who curse you. It doesn't mean to be silent about what's going on. This means fierce conversations with people in front of you. I just want to end with who God is in all of this. He is Elhana Iman. So there's nothing that's written in the Word of God that, that is something like, wow, Jesus, you didn't really think that through, did you? This isn't, this isn't something that we could actually live out and practice. But he is Elhana Iman. It means he is the faithful God. Look what he did in David's life. We're going to finish that story next week of how God worked all, all of these things out for his good. David actually becomes the king. He's working all things out for good. Bless those who curse you. Try it. Take it. Apply it this week. Apply it today right now. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that your word is true, that it is alive, and, and we can apply that. And so, Lord, I just pray for anyone in this room that um, has been in an experience of maybe an attack, uh, Lord, that we would just be able to speak blessing into that situation right now. 
I pray for faith to rise, to trust your word, to trust in who you are, that you are alive and you are living and you are with us, you see us, you're, you're a part of our lives, you, you understand what's going on. And so, Lord, um, we would just like surrender over anything that we're holding on to. And Lord, I pray for fierce conversations for, for us as if we have to speak truth, Lord, that you would give us the right words that would come out of our mouth, that it would actually be from our heart, a heart that says, I'm blessing the Lord's anointed, but this is really what's going on right now. And so, Lord, would you give us great words and verbiage that is actually kingdom verbiage, like kingdom citizenship verbiage, that people that live in your kingdom, we can actually speak that exact way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sticking in there and hanging out. Like we would love with this passage and especially these verses, what I would love is if, um, leave a comment, let us know like what, what spoke to you or, or what's been your experience or, um, you know, what, how did this verse, how have you been applying it this week or whatever it may be? We would love to hear from you. We really would. So be blessed and have a great week.